You know, I look back at the early church in the book of Acts where God was adding thousands to their numbers. That's what our world needs now, for God to do it again, for our world to just experience that revival of thousands of people coming to know God. And then I look at Acts 2.46, and it said they continued to meet together in the temple. They went to church, and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. You know, we believe God's doing something significant in this day and age of the church, and it involves being in our homes and the ministry of our homes. And you say, wow, God's Word tells me I need to invite people into my home and have a glad and sincere heart about it. Okay, well, here's me, God. I'm dusting, and I'm having to mop the floor, and uh, here's me, God. I'm cleaning this toilet, and I have this glad and happy heart about it. See, I'm being happy. But think about it this way. Maybe that verse doesn't mean that they're forcing themselves to be glad about inviting people in their homes. Maybe the glad and sincere heart is a result of inviting people in their homes. Maybe it's we, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts that it's as a result of eating together. They had glad and sincere hearts, a sincere heart to love God, a sincere heart to have that compassion and passion for others, to share the love of God with others because they invited people into their homes. Well, we've been talking a lot about the table here at Destiny, and we're going to have a women's event coming up this um, this weekend um, for Valentine's weekend. And it's going to be different than we've ever had a women's event before because it's going to be in homes. We have 25 ladies hosting in their home, and one of those is even our Destiny Table New York. They're going to be hosting in their home as well. But these ladies, I was looking over the list, and I called Katie because I was like, who are these people on your list? You don't have last names, and I don't know who these people are. And she goes, well, I don't know their last names. They're my neighbors that I invited over for this ladies' Bible study. And I was like, wow. And then another person on the list is just like guest one, guest two, guest three, guest four. They invited eight people, not from Destiny, just friends and neighbors, co-workers to come in and experience a ladies' Bible study about the love of God. Come on, will you just pray with me now for all the ladies who are going to be meeting, that as people are coming in, that they will just experience God's love, a life-transforming love. You know, you invite people over to your house. It doesn't have to be a formal meal. You can just like know, call the neighbor and say, hey, I've got this bag of Hostess powdered sugar donuts and a pot of coffee. You want to come? I'd really love to hear what's going on in your life today. Why don't you just come over for 30 minutes this morning? Let's talk. It can be simple. You know, donuts count as bread, right? They're, they're in the bread category. So that works. You know, it doesn't have to be something formal. So will you just pray with me? God, we just pray over these ladies who are going to be meeting in their homes this coming up weekend. And we just pray as they are hearing God's word, that just hearing God's word will be life transforming to them. There's so much power in just hearing God's word. And we just declare over their lives as they see the struggle, see and hear that other women struggle just like they struggle, that they'll just be drawn in as they see that Man, God's love has transformed this person's life. I know he can transform my life too. Let us let our lives just be a testimony to those around us. God, we just pray for our city that people's lives will be transformed, that you will do it again, that thousands will be added to the church. God, we just declare that there will be revival. People will be drawn to you. Our hearts will be tenderized toward you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can take your seats. You know, part of our church 
structure is we are staff-driven, pastor-led, elder-protected. And I feel compelled um, to stand and just, as an elder in the church, bring a little bit of correction on a Sunday morning. Um, I can't tell you how many years it's been since I've had a hostess powdered sugar donut. And I think anybody who stands up here and speaks should put their money where their mouth is and live what they preach. I'm counting on some powdered sugar hostess donuts this week, praise the Lord. This has got Holy Ghost communion written all over it for me. Huh, something. <laughs> you should have seen your faces when I said I was going to bring correction. Y'all were like... <clears throat> Wow. You know, over the years of working together as a church family, <clears throat> some of you have been here for many years, some of you longer than I. Some of you have been here for a few weeks, and um, some a few months, maybe a few years. But over the years, we've really worked hard to try and figure out what is it that God wants <laughs> from us as a church family, because we're all going to live these allotted number of years that we have, um, hopefully serving the eternal purposes of God with our whole heart in that process. And it's, it's taken a while. I remember a few weeks ago uh, when Pastor A.T. spoke, just a great message on giving and, and the generous nature of God. Um, one of the things he said in the midst of that conversation was, it's difficult to bring things down into an accurate expression or phrase that really paints the correct picture. And we've worked hard over the years to understand what are the five central ideas that we've, you know, over and over heard the Lord pointing us back to. And so I want us to, to bring that focal point today. Once again, as we get started, I want to say, so glad you're here. We all survived Snowmageddon, thank God. Um, it's been kind of a crazy week for everyone. For those of you online, glad you are here and welcome to the Destiny Table New York that I'm actually going to be introducing you to our Destiny Table New York family today by video as a part of our um, time together. So let's join together first and foremost and let's make the statement together as a family that really defines and marks our lives. The more we spend time together and the more we spend time pursuing the heart of God, this is who we become. So let's say it out loud. It'll pop up on the screen, everybody. We are outrageously loving people who passionately pursue the Lord with irrationally giving lifestyles as we consistently submit to God's desires and effectively disciple others to do the same. It's such a beautiful expression of what the Lord um, has just kind of carved into our hearts over the course of many years. I do want to say as we step into a focus of effectively discipling, part of the layout is to understand the um, generous nature of God. And I just felt this week something captured my attention. We have a few benevolent situations that we are working with right now. Um, one that I'm aware of, a family basically related to family who lost their children very difficult situation, and they are taking in those children. I just thought, boy, what, what would it take to uh, suddenly, all of a sudden, you know, your family life uh, change? And some of you know what that's like as foster families. But in this situation, they have stepped into that and given everything they had to make that happen, and they're about $600 short um, to get there. And we take a very responsible approach to handling all of this. I want to assure you of that. But I just want to reiterate to you, it's because we gather together and sacrificially love, serve, and give that we are able to make a difference like that in our community. And we're going to, make, we're going to step up to that situation. And there are a couple others we're working with. But I encourage you, just be faithful with your worship to the Lord of tithes and offerings as the Lord so moves your heart. Isn't it beautiful that our worship actually produces transformation in the world around us? Like not just our worship, the atmosphere changes because it does, but our worship in giving and our worship in the way we love and the way we serve, that really is what effective discipling um, 
is all about when we learn how to effectively experience God and express Him. So I want to start today with the text of Scripture that we're going to center around out of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. If you open your Bibles to midway through the New Testament approximately, Paul's letter to the Corinthian church. Um, so incredible just to look at the, the letters that we have in our hand to be able to reference that which God is desiring to reveal. How many of you know to memorize the Bible is to memorize the mind of God? To know the Bible is to know the mind of God. There's something so beautiful being revealed in these two verses of Scripture. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that as we read your word, this season of the church is a season where you're helping us not to just use the Bible as a reference to speak messages or to um, have biblical ideas that we rally around. But I believe you're taking us into a deeper exploration of the profound mystery of the gospel that is revealed in these written words that activate and awaken something within us. Lord, I pray that as we read scripture together as a church family, as we learn to do this more in our homes, there would be a transforming work that would be the result of putting our faith and confidence in what you're desiring to do through the reading of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion. What a beautiful description of the Lord. The Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. I mean, those two phrases to describe who God is are so deeply impactful if you just reflect on that uh, for any amount of time. The Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. I love that portion of scripture. I, I, as I've reflected on this, what it is to effectively make disciples and to disciple others effectively, I really felt like the Lord was saying a few things to me, and I want to walk this out with you today in an unusual way. Uh, this morning, as I was praying into this, I realized the Lord was going to give us revelation and understanding of the, uh, uh, the nature of the apostolic assignment of our church family. You might not realize but there is an apostolic assignment on your life. You're here because of an apostolic assignment that rests on you. And I'll explain a little bit of that through this. But let's first start by understanding the most basic fundamental element of discipleship. What if discipleship is actually not as complicated as we have made it out to be? I mean, we've done all kinds of discipleship programs and we'll probably do more. Uh, but we're viewing them all from a different standpoint. We've done Operation Timothy, where we invited youth in, um, where I wanted to mentor youth one summer years ago. We did um, Explore the Morning, where a group of men met at 5 a.m. on Tuesday morning, an hour before 6 a.m. prayer. And that, that first Tuesday when we arrived, there were more than 50 men who showed up at 5 a.m. because they were hungry for God. I mean, I, I, I'm hungry for the Lord. How about you? But here's the thing you have to understand. A program is never going to be the answer to what God is desiring to do. And I think many times we then find maybe a program that we have some success with, and then we begin to duplicate the program as best we can, and the church then becomes more about corporate than it does about family just by default of trying to program things out of a good heart to really try and make it work. There's a real tension in what I'm saying right now as I'm standing here in the midst of the organized morning uh, doing what I'm supposed to be doing at this exact point in time in front of a camera, under the lights, in front of a whole crowd of people. I mean, you know, there's a tension that exists. Somehow all of that comes together with the organic nature of what God's desiring to do when we explore and see this all correctly. What if we have made discipleship far more complicated than we needed to? What if discipleship is simply all about friendship? It's a novel thought. Friendship with God 
where we're learning his love, and friendship with others where we're sharing his love. That's discipleship. It's great to do Operation Timothy, 5 a.m. Oh, heck, let's go 4 a.m. How about it this week? <laughs> I mean, you know, like we can do all kinds of things. And all that's great and wonderful. But if the relationships aren't producing a cohesion together of friendship with God and friendship with each other, then we're just walking through programs that might stimulate here and stimulate there. But there's something profound and something significant that God is wanting to release through our surrendered available lives together in community with God and with each other. I love the way uh, this verse 4 is put in the message, and I just want to encourage you with this today. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times. Aren't you thankful? How many of you ever been through hard times? Raise your hand if you've ever been through hard times. Aren't you glad God was right there beside you? Like you have to allow him in, but he's right there with you the whole time. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who's going through hard times. So we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. Now, this is amazing. Uh, as we conclude today, I'm going to ask you to really evaluate some of the deep places of pain that have existed in your life that maybe you've neglected, not really paid attention to. And I want to explain uh, how I've, I really believe today is a significant morning for us in this regard. It's almost a sidebar to, uh, to where we're going in terms of overall message. And I just want to kind of prepare you for this because in the conclusion of the morning together, I'm going to ask those of you online, those of you in the room, that we'll just pause and just be before the Lord and allow him to take pain and convert it to purpose as we place it in his hand. It's not that God ever causes pain. It's just that God will use our pain when we allow him to do so. He provides comfort for us and then brings us alongside others so that we can provide comfort for them with the same love and comfort that God had given to us. Maybe discipleship is about friendship, friendship with God where we learn his love, friendship with others where we share his love. Just so basic. I think we've overcomplicated this and we're really trying to understand it uh, a little more readily. You know, we've been exploring this revelation of the table now for two years. I want to make sure we're uh, moving together in what that looks like as much as possible. I want to give you some, some clear uh, understanding today. I want to point you to some resources that we've now made available online. So if you have any question about what this is, you can discover that. Um, but what, we, what we've started realizing is the table of the Lord is so important to God. And it's central to everything God is doing in the earth. In fact, I won't go into it all, but the table and the altar are eternally connected. And we need to understand that. There's an eternal connection between the table and the altar because there's worship that's connected in the midst of all of that. It's just an incredibly sacred place for you to discover and understand the value of the family table with your family and with those you're drawing in to a family relationship in your relationship with the Lord. It's, just, it's an incredibly sacred place. The most famous portrait we have of Jesus is him where? Seated at a table with these knuckleheads that he was going to leave the kingdom to, that we can find great encouragement that he would leave the kingdom in their hands. How many of you ever feel like you're not quite qualified for what God's calling us to do? Yes and amen. I mean, from the very beginning and everything that the Lord ever has asked me, I mean, it's just been this journey of constantly feeling like, I just don't feel I'm qualified to do this. And what that has done for me personally, it has placed this demand and this reliance upon the Lord that would not have have been there had I had a sense of self-confidence. And I realized that's actually the point, isn't it? When we stop feeling like we're capable and we recognize we're not, that's when we press into what we need. In other words, once you know what you're not, then you know what you need. So if you feel like you're not qualified, you're in good company. We all are desperate for God to help us walk this thing out. Come on. That's what he's desiring for, for us to understand and be awakened. So here's Jesus at this table, famous portrait. Uh, I think Pastor A.T. said in a staff meeting not too long ago, he said, imagine Jesus at this table and all of a sudden telling all the disciples, okay, everybody get on this side, let's take a picture. Uh, it's kind of funny. 
I think I said it right, didn't I? It's probably funnier when you said it. But anyway, uh, so here's Jesus at a table. And like, he's always at a table. Have you noticed this? He's always eating with somebody. There, and Jesus was reclining at a table, and he was at a meal. It's like in the Bible, Jesus is either at a meal coming from a meal or going to a meal. He's feeding 5,000 people. I mean, there's this constant meal thing going on. The table of the Lord is very important to the Lord. After Jesus has risen from the grave, what does he do? He has a meal with a few of his disciples. Like, that was the first thing that we see happened after he was risen from the grave. In the beginning, it was a meal that was eaten without God that ruined it all. And in the conclusion, the fullness of redemption is what? The marriage supper of the Lamb that we read about in the book of Revelation. I think this is important. And I think we need to understand there's a key component of his kingdom that needs to be injected into our lives that we're cooperating with if we're going to really walk out what God's desires are in this next season. I cannot overstate to you March the 5th, Saturday morning, 9 to noon, when we have Steve Uppel coming into uh, the U.S. You and I are not supposed to just pick up a few ideas about this. You and I are actually called to receive an impartation. And so March the 5th, 9 to noon, we're going to be in this room. Steve, Pastor Steve will be with us on Sunday as well. But Saturday in particular is the morning of impartation. And I'm going to ask you to be here both Saturday and Sunday. Don't pick one as if it's a single service, you know, uh, for the weekend. Um, we want to really come together and place a demand on what God is doing. And you just have to understand in this particular season, this Fuel the Fire weekend is for us as a church family. Pastor Steve Uppel is an external elder to this house. It's very personal. It's very relational. And it's, it's, I want you to understand that element of it. I also want you to understand we have an apostolic assignment from God as a family. We now have more than 30 pastors that have said they are coming. Some, one guy's flying here from India, uh, people that we've not yet met. They're wanting to come in because of the nature of impartation of what God has assigned in this particular season of the church and what Steve is carrying in this apostolic team that I'm a part of in the UK. This is part of, their, there's this month, uh, Fuel the Fire's happening in, the, in London. There's a Fuel the Fire all across England every single month except the month that we're here in the USA. And we get to house that. We get to embrace what God's revealing in this hour of the church. I'm not trying to advertise something to you and market it up to you. I'm simply wanting to identify what God is revealing in this moment in time. And you and I, we as a church family, have been chosen with an apostolic assignment to release something of the next level church to our generation. That's pretty crazy to me. We've been invited now to be a part of TBN UK, and, and they're wanting testimonies from those locally that are doing the table and what that looks like for us and what we're learning. This is not just about filling our heads with information. This is about impartation from heaven that awakens something of the revelation of God in our hearts so that we're walking in this. We're exploring this together. This is why uh, things like this particular approach to the ladies' event, it's important that you understand this is not just a general idea, hey, let's get everybody together in houses and hear the Bible verses to get them to do this. You and I need to be experiencing what it is God is revealing and exploring this together. And when you have questions, it helps us define what it is that the Lord is wanting to reveal. So I encourage you during this weekend, find one of those uh, tables that will be taking place, the girlfriend's table. Tracy will be in the lobby afterward to issue the bags. We helped put these bags together yesterday. Uh, and, and I was looking at the little things that you do. Like when you pull things out of the bag, there's something specific you talk about. And then the, there's this little black heart. Am I allowed to tell this? Little black heart. No, I'm not supposed to tell you what you're going to do. But it's really cool because it changes colors when you write on it. And it's just amazing when I started looking at what you're supposed to do. I'm going to move over to this side. So I... <laughs> get less of a look at and so I mean but you understand this whole progression in this thing that everybody's going to do I was looking at it just thinking it's just beautiful coming together in a way we're experiencing the heart of God that's what this is about it's not doing church it's not just trying to rally people together and let's grow the congregation let's get more people in here let's make more money let's build bigger buildings let's Church should be about family. 
And when we don't make church about family, we've made church about something other than what our Father in heaven wants church to be about. He's our Father. We are family. What if we've made discipleship something that's way more complicated than it truly is? What if discipleship is about friendship? Where we experience friendship with God, where we learn his love, and we express and exchange friendship with others where we share his love. Effectively discipling others. What we're talking about is a highly relational movement that is deeply devoted to pursuing Jesus with others as a true expression of discipleship. The table revelation should be helping all of us understand a more relational way of life as ministry to others. I have some really good news for you. We're finally figuring something out. And that is, when we come up with a discipleship format, and then we get the template, because this is what's duplicatable, and then we force that template on everybody. How many of you have ever felt like you were a square peg going into a round hole when the discipleship program was being presented, and you were like, I'm not sure that really fits me. But you want to be an obedient Christian, and you want to fall in line, and you want to do, even if it doesn't feel right, it doesn't seem to fit your gift set, and you do what you're told to do because your pastor's telling you, you don't want people to burn in hell, do you? I mean, you understand, this is the mode of the church. And we've been so corporate that we've cultivated uh, the structures that we can duplicate. And what if God's not wanting us to learn what is successful so we can duplicate success, but he's wanting us to figure out who we are so we can multiply our own identity? Who are you? That's my question to you when we talk about effectively discipling others. Not who are we and this is how we do it and I want you to come do what we do. I want you to do what God's called you to do and it won't look like what it looks like in me. I'll let everybody join in. Come on, let's do clap that in. I want you to be free to be you. The church has tried to force people into these molds and mindsets and I'm just going to tell you if you're a brave heart you don't want to be a Mr. Rogers but if you're a Mr. Rogers you don't want to be a brave heart there's room in the kingdom for everybody to be who God's designed them to be we've not done a good job validating identity as the body of Christ So what we're figuring out as we multiply people to lead the destiny table out of their home, and I want to explain a little bit of it. Um, Every table looks different. Every expression looks different. I don't want to, this is the table, now everybody do this. That's not what this is about. And I'll help you understand a little more of that. But I do want to introduce you to the Destiny Table New York. I mention them uh, each week because we've begun moving in this direction very officially. Looking forward to being with the Destiny Table New York in April for our worship night there. We have this auditorium in the school that we're going to be able to have a worship night all together. But I want to introduce to you by video. This was their gathering this last week. And they uh, gave a shout out to us, Destiny OKC. Hello, Destiny OKC. From the Destiny Table, New York. (laughs) Such a great crew. Um, And it's very interesting. There's something powerfully transformational taking place in the youth in those families as much as the adults. How many of you know God's doing something in this next season of the church? And if we'll learn to cooperate with what God is doing in the next season of the church, then something of the heart of God will be released in the next generation leaders he's wanting to raise up. So we want to know what that really looks like. Here's what we do recognize and understand. All the tables look different. For those that are interested in specific training to lead the destiny table out of your home, then we want to invite you on April the 10th, Sunday, April the 10th. We're going to do it every other Sunday, a lunch meeting. Seating is limited because we want to have a table uh, experience going on. Um, but it's gonna, you can 
text destiny to the number that'll pop up on the screen. You can drop a, commu- uh, a connect card in one of our giving stations if you're interested in knowing just a little more about what that might look like and if this is a fit for you. I'm going to give you a little bit of understanding and explanation as we talk about this. But here's the bottom line you need to recognize the purpose of church is discovered in the revelation of family. The purpose of church is discovered in the revelation of family. He's our father, we're brothers and sisters. I mean, it's a beautiful revelation. Jesus came introducing the world to God the Father. This Abba Father thing didn't exist in the Old Testament. And Jesus ushered this intimate connection with the Father, an intimate relationship with each other that we might recognize and understand the revelation of family that God brought to the church. This is probably, the revelation of family is so central to the body of Christ, it's probably why the Holy Spirit has made house calls in Scripture. Uh, You know, Tracy said it pretty well. We gather together, kind of like in the temple. That's our gathering. And then we release people to discover what God's wanting to do in the homes, in the heart, in the home. And and it's just so unique when you start to evaluate what's taking place. But like the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit, the fire of God was poured out in the New Testament in homes. You know, think about this. If you wanted to pour out the fire of God on all of God's chosen people, the Jews, and you were coming up with the plan to actually make this happen, where would you choose that to happen? And why would you choose? I mean, no, God does everything on purpose. Well, God chose in Acts chapter 2 to pour out the fire of his spirit into the, uh, on the Jews in a home. And then we see in Acts chapter 10, God chose to pour out the fire of the Holy Spirit on Gentiles in a home. The Holy Spirit still today makes house calls. I think we need to recognize there is something deeply valuable about the ministry of our home. And everybody's home looks different. Everybody's home has a different cultural dynamic vibe, all those things. How many of you know God takes you right where you are and uses you mightily when you place it in his hands? Five loaves and two fish and a multitude of people. Jesus is the master of doing more than we thought he could with less than we thought he needed if we'll simply place what's in our hands in his hands to be used to expand his kingdom. So here, the fire of God's poured out, the church is mobilized, and then the church... After Jesus, just three years of ministry. I've done some study this week for next Sunday's message. I'm so tempted to go into it because it is just, I mean, it lit me up all week long. Um, But there's something so powerful when we evaluate the church's response to the pandemic of their generation. And there have been several throughout all the ages that we can look at in history and we will next Sunday. And the evaluation of how we've responded in our generation and how they responded in previous generations is pretty telling to where we are as a group of disciples in the pursuit of God. So we'll explore that. But let's understand, here the Holy Spirit has poured out power and fire is taking place. I mean, the greatest move the world had ever seen was the result of Jesus Christ coming and dividing history into two times. And then we see this incredible move of God, move of humanity. Sociologists look at this, and they've never seen anything like it in the history of the world. In the course of just three centuries, in just 300 years, a man who had an inconspicuous expression of ministry, Jesus never traveled more than 100 miles uh, away from home. His home was the size of a single car garage, and they shared that with animals. They weren't affluent. He didn't mass crusades and rallies, you understand? That wasn't in the scope of what Jesus was trying to accomplish in just three years of ministry. It was rare that he ever stood in front of large crowds of people. Very rare that that ever took place. And just three years of giving himself to the purpose of God led to three centuries of fire catching in the hearts of people. And in the course of 300 years, six million people became followers of Jesus Christ. You need to think about that for just a moment. That is huge. But that's not even nearly as much as then the followers of Christ being mobilized to be so full of fire and power that in the next 50 years, 
there were another 30 million people who became followers of Christ. Never has there been a move like this. It's the biggest movement in the history of the world. Yet there were no mass evangelism crusades taking place. Ministry was primarily taking place on a personal level relationship, out of homes and through friendship. And out of that became the fire of God being poured out on the planet because God's people were being empowered to figure out who they were because they knew who he is. This is what God is calling us to understand. What if making disciples has simply looked like genuine friendship all along? I just want to say it again. Discipleship is about friendship. Friendship with God where we learn his love and friendship with others where we express his love. We all have different expressions of the friendship of God. I'm loud. I'm obnoxious. I try not to be. Uh, one of the funniest moments in my family ever was when I was being loud and obnoxious. I try not to be, but then I realized the Lord kind of wired me that way. So, you're, you know, everybody just kind of has to deal with it, and you don't have to like me. Uh, try avoid me if I'm too loud and obnoxious, I understand. But my family, they're kind of stuck with me. And so I came in the living room, and I was being my typical morning. Wow, yeah, wow, yeah, you know, me uh, going crazy. And, and Faith and Lexi are, are standing there, and it's morning, and they're looking at me kind of like this. And I'm like, ah! And they're looking like that. And Lexi said, Dad, have you ever read that verse that says, don't greet with a loud voice in the morning? <laughs> and I was like, ah! I have. I don't like that verse, but I've read it. <laughs> and Lexi literally said, read it again, Dad. <laughs> read it again. <laughs> It was one of the funniest things ever. She was grounded for six weeks after that. What if it's just about genuine friendship? Understanding we're all different, embracing each other just as we are. You know, true love doesn't try to change people. It just simply loves them. Just such a basic friendship principle, isn't it? And the relationship where people just sense the love of God is so significant. Lance Ford wrote, if every Christian family in the world simply offered good conversational hospitality around a table once a week to neighbors, we would eat our way into the kingdom of God. Friendship with God, friendship with the others, with, with others. So, let me point you to some resources so that you can understand. I want our church family on this journey. I want us to receive the impartation that God is bringing on the apostolic level of our assignment. Also want us to get not just revelation, but have information. If you go to our website, destinyokc.com forward slash the table, you can find information on this. Don't have questions about this that are unanswered because you're a part of this assignment. We together are a part of this assignment. We're supposed to, to learn and explore this together so that we can share it with other leaders who are trying to figure this out as well. There, people are calling us their pastoral covering now as a church, and that's a, that's a beautiful thing, but boy, that's a frightening thing in one way. I mean, the fear of the Lord just strikes our heart when we start to recognize God's wanting us to have this role in the lives of other leaders. But if you go to that, that website, destinyokc forward slash dot com, uh, you get the idea. <laughs> the table, destinyokc.com forward slash the table. Um, you, you find it under the messages tab too if you get stuck. But, but there are two three to five minute videos. One is what is the table? And another video, what is the difference between community groups and table? And let me just give you my quick pastor 60-second expression so that we kind of get that picture out here, and then you can listen to a little bit more elaborate explanation. Bottom line, community group is about our family discipling our family. That's what we do in community group. Three families come together, and we grow deeper in our relationship with the Lord. The table is about our family being mobilized to lead the destiny table out of their home. And it's not a bunch of destiny families coming into a room, but it's two destiny families that are ministering to their neighbors, their co-workers, their friends, literally reaching people with the love of Christ as an evangelistic or outreach expression 
to share the love of Christ with them. I know this sounds crazy for somebody like me to say, but whether those people you invite into your home ever come worship with us in church or not is immaterial. We believe they should be a part of gathering as the church because the Bible says forsake not the assembling. But if we're not the place where they're going to go after you've reached them with the gospel, that is not a problem at all. Our focus here is not to try and grow the shed full of more sheep. Our focus here is to mobilize the sheep, go be the shepherds God's called you to be in the lives of people around you. You can't go to church, you are the church. We gather as the church, so we become the church. Now go be the church. That's the call of God on all of our lives. Some people feel more of a call to evangelism. and Some people feel more of a call to discipleship. And if you feel a sense of call to evangelism or you just want to know more about the table being walked through a process of that, that lunch meeting that will be every other week, four weeks of meetings, eight weeks total, then, then sign up, let us know, we'll get with you. And again, if, you, if we have room for that, we'll get everybody in. If not, then we'll, we'll be doing it again, just walking out. We'll learn more as we go along. You know, I just felt like the Lord said before we started, this was going to be a real refreshing uh, morning together. Just something refreshing in the heart of God when we're exploring what it is he really loves. And I think when the church starts getting some things right that they've missed for a very long time, it really stirs up the heart of God in a powerful and profound way. And let me just say, here's one thing we've really gotten wrong, and, and this is our our landing strip. I, uh, the worship team can go ahead and come on up. Our job is not to change anybody. It, it really registered well with you when I said, we don't want to try and make you into something you're not, right? You know why that registered well with you? Because you're designed to be who God designed you to be. Lost people feel the same way. They don't want to have a connection with somebody who's trying to change them into something else. This is just a basic friendship rule. How many know this is a basic marriage rule? I'm just telling you, I had to learn this rule, and Tracy had to endure a season of time of years, no kidding at all, uh, of me not understanding this rule. I was trying to change her into the woman of God. I knew God wanted her to be the woman that would make me happy as a man. And here are the Bible verses why. And this is what, I mean, it was such a heavy season in our marriage relationship. And thank God we survived it going to marriage counselors, plural, to, to sort through those issues that existed and see it from a, a, another level of what God was desiring for us to, to see and understand. But I'm just telling you, I know firsthand, you cannot love someone if you're trying to change someone. And that's why it's important that we as Christians understand this important truth. God is not trying to draw people into your beliefs. God is trying to draw people into his love. Your beliefs won't change them. His love will. When you're trying to force your beliefs on people as your expression of evangelism, it's not a biblical expression or a biblical model. It's nothing about that we see in the Bible. You be you and help other people be them. Whether they ever change or not is immaterial and irrelevant in the overall scope of you serving the Lord and serving them. Simply love them well. Love is the agenda. There is no other agenda. Love is the agenda. Well, I ought to love them so we see them through. I ought to love them so we see them change. Stop using love as bait with some type of a hook or requirement in the bait and just love others well. The power of love. Three favorite phrases people love to hear. Most of you know them. Such a great demonstration of the table. <laughs> Number one, the power of love. I love you. Say it out loud with me. I love you. That's the number one phrase. People, not just in the U.S., other nations of the world, number one phrase people love to hear. Number two phrase people love to hear, you're forgiven. Just look at your spouse, especially if your spouse is standing on the stage and talked about what's in the contents of the package and say, you're forgiven. 
I love you, you're forgiven. Number three phrase people love to hear. Let's eat. For God so loved the world, I love you. He sent his son, Jesus, you're forgiven. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and sup with him and he with me. Let's eat. Isn't that interesting? The three phrases all humanity loves to hear the most are the three answers God provided first and foremost by reaching into humanity to draw us into his purpose. I love you. You're forgiven. Let's eat. That's ministry. Ladies, around the table, on the course of that weekend, I love you. You're forgiven. Let's eat. Ladies and gentlemen, our way of life, people that we know, people that we work with, people that we encounter, I love you. You're forgiven. Let's eat. That is ministry. What if we've made discipleship so complicated? It really was just all this time about friendship. Friendship with God, where we learn His love. And friendship with others, where we share His love. Your action point this week is to earnestly pray for people God has entrusted to your care and sincerely care for them in some meaningful way. Will you do that? God will put people on your heart. You'll, you'll just learn to pay attention to it. It'll just be a sense of somebody, all of a sudden you recognize somebody's on your heart and you just begin to respond to that. Just love them well. Here's the thing that I felt like the Lord was asking of this moment. It's hard to minister to others when you yourself live in a state of pain. And I felt like the Lord was saying to me, almost like, how does this fit? So that's why I'm like, chapter one is finished, and now I'm going to give you brief chapter two for the morning. Because the Lord began to speak to me that some of you have been carrying and contending with and dealing with levels of personal pain, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, of a right, relationally. And the Lord just wants me to give him some room to minister to our pain. We all have pain from our past. Here's the thing I want you to understand. God never wastes a single hurt. He never wastes a single hurt. It's not that God causes our pain, it's just that God uses our pain when we allow him to do so. Pain becomes purpose when hurt becomes fruit. And hurt becomes fruit when you walk through something and then you help others by using your hurt to bear fruit and helping them through what their pain is. Discipleship, friendship with God, he ministers to us. Friendship with others, we minister to them. So I'm just gonna ask, would you just open your heart? Maybe just close your eyes to focus on him just for a moment. Total focus on this wonderful, wonderful king. Just invite him into some of those deeper places, perhaps, deeper places of pain, disappointments, discouragements, shame, frustrations, anger. as you identify the specific pain that God is dealing with. <clears throat> Ultimately, I'm going to have all of us to our feet in a moment, but I want to ask just as you identify a specific area in your life, pain that God is dealing with, then I want you just to stand to your feet. Just as a declaration, I, I, I see where the Lord's reaching into me right now. 
Lord, as we identify those places and we respond to you by standing to our feet, there's something released deep within us of the healing nature of God, the healing ministry of your Spirit. We break disappointment. We break shame. We break guilt. to our souls being healed today. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, do within us what only you can do. Awaken those areas in our lives, perhaps closed off before. In the name of Jesus. stand together as a family. Lord, we acknowledge there are deep, deep places within us that you want to minister to. Perhaps in this season of the church more than we've ever, ever known or understood. I pray, Lord, that as we just press in for a few moments to worship, our worship would be that invitation for you to go deep within us. Ministering to us maybe a level of healing and redemption and restoration deeper than what we've ever known personally before. In the name of Jesus. Our worship, our, our, sorry, our prayer team is going to be available right back under the lights. If we can pray with you as we just take these few moments of worship, then would you just come right back and let us lay hands on you. Let us believe God with you. Let us call out of you the things that God wants to be called out of you. If the prayer of agreement is what you need in this moment, come and let us pray with you. Maybe uh, this is a moment for you to release something of, of finance in your worship of giving at the giving station or online. Maybe this is a moment where you step back to the communion station in the middle and just receive the broken body and shed blood of Christ personally. Maybe this is a moment where you just stand right where you are and you open your heart just to experience and express something that God's stirring within you back to Him. Whatever it looks like, would you just be completely open to whatever the Lord may be inviting you into in this moment? Maybe you... Um, Maybe you don't, it's not your idea to do any of those things that I'm saying, but you hear him inviting you to do so on purpose. Let's just pay attention to him. And we'll take just a few moments in worship before we're dismissed, but let's allow this to be a part of our congregational assignment together as a family where we're taking what God is revealing and giving it back to him in a place of beautiful worship. <laughs> 